a special network active on the soil of Western powers run by Chinese embassies and consulates. Its purpose is to allow overseas Chinese act as informants for the Chinese Communist Party. What we know about the network of so-called counselor volunteers. Child pneumonia cases surging through China. Beijing says everything is fine, but can the message be trusted? We spoke to an expert. Despite the rising health concerns, the communist regime will soon grant citizens from six countries free entry to China, no visa required. Find out who's on the list. And while you're Black Friday shopping, watch out. Authorities say counterfeits are running rampant and up to 80% come from China. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer, a network of Chinese volunteers acting as eyes for Beijing in the West. And according to a report from human rights organization Safeguard Defenders, its operation spans five continents, including the U.S. Worth noting, the network is separate from the overseas Chinese police stations we recently reported on. Instead, these are volunteers for Chinese embassies and consulates. Chinese embassies and consulates have been running a global network of volunteers for at least a decade. Experts say they can act as quasi-spies. Its purpose is to allow overseas Chinese act as informants for the Chinese Communist Party. It could make local Chinese residents feel threatened, and it's posing a huge threat to the society. And it seems most host nations are unaware of the networks on their home turf. The Safeguard Defenders report noted that on the surface, these volunteers handle administrative tasks like sending advisories to Chinese citizens living overseas. But the concern is that they could help Beijing control overseas Chinese communities. Many Chinese spy cases in the U.S. have been linked to these communities. Another report is also shedding light on the issue put out by the U.K. Parliament's House of Commons Intelligence and Security Committee. It says Beijing is also deeply interested in the political views of Chinese diaspora overseas, at times encouraging or coercing them to align with the Chinese regime's interests. A Chinese minister counselor for Italy has said she hopes all consular volunteers will keep the, quote, motherland in mind and build an overseas Chinese security system. So where are these networks based? The report said they can be found in dozens of countries across five continents, from the U.S. to the U.K., Japan, Italy, France and Chile. These networks are reportedly linked to the Office of Overseas Chinese Affairs. Canada described the office as an espionage operation last year. An undiagnosed strain of child pneumonia is rapidly spreading across China. Reports say many kids have developed severe symptoms and that at least one has died. Beijing said no unusual pathogens had been found in the country after the World Health Organization requested information. According to China, the infection wave was an outbreak of mycoplasma pneumonia. But is this information trustworthy? Mycoplasma pneumonia is a common respiratory infection and is self-limiting in the past. It's rarely caused severe uh, lung infections. Usually it's restricted at the upper respiratory tract and it's very rare to have any white lung uh, situations. The condition microbiologist Sean Lin is referring to, called white lung, doesn't mean a patient's lungs turn white. Instead, the lungs appear white on CT scans, indicating infection and fluid in the lungs. Many COVID-19 patients in China developed the symptom during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, it's making a large-scale reappearance in Beijing. 
One resident there told us about what he's seen. To protect his identity, we distorted his voice. Basically, all the sick children I know have white lungs. This is a fact. I went to a friend's place last week. He spent 2,000 to 3,000 yen to treat his child. The CT scan showed the child has white lungs. It's quite scary. The latest outbreak first hit China in September. Patients, mostly kids, are now flooding hospitals in major cities. One hospital in Tianjin City reportedly saw 13 times its average number of patients in a single day. Along with a white lung symptom, patients are also reporting high fevers lasting for days and coughing lasting about a month. Some infected children are being hospitalized, sent to the ICU or treated with a complicated procedure to cleanse the lungs. This cannot simply be explained uh, by microsplasma uh, pneumonia infection. And so I don't think uh, the Chinese government is telling the world the true situations. Taiwanese authorities are watching the situation closely from across the strait. Back in late 2019, weeks before China announced the COVID-19 outbreak, Taiwan warned the WHO about an unidentified virus spreading in China. At the time, the WHO didn't respond. Despite the unexplained pneumonia spreading inside China, the communist regime is looking to boost foreign tourism. Starting in December, for one year, citizens from six countries will be able to enter China without a visa, provided they're in the country for business, to visit relatives, and their stay doesn't exceed 15 days. Those six countries are France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, and Malaysia. China has been taking steps to revive its tourism sector following three years of strict COVID-19 rules. China's wait isn't quite over for a new AI chip made by U.S. chipmaker NVIDIA. Two sources familiar with the matter say that's the message the company delivered to Chinese customers. Under strict U.S. export rules, NVIDIA is banned from shipping certain products to the country, including advanced AI chips. Since then, the company has turned to new chip designs to evade the curbs legally. Here's a closer look. The semiconductor, known as the H20, is designed to comply with U.S. export rules and is the most powerful of three chips NVIDIA has developed specifically for China. The firm was expected to launch its new products as early as this month, but sources say that's now pushed back to the first quarter of next year. They were told the H20 was delayed due to issues server manufacturers were having in integrating it. NVIDIA plans two other chips to comply with new US export rules, the L20 and L2. The sources said the L20 faced no delays, but were unable to share information on the L2. Now the delays mean NVIDIA could struggle to preserve market share against local rivals like Huawei. The US firm has bet on the chips to keep its market share in China. More tech companies are saying goodbye to the Chinese market. This time, it's British chip designer Graphcorn, considered a rival to American software company NVIDIA. It's most known for developing chips for artificial intelligence. The startup announced it would stop selling its products in China and plans to lay off most of its staff in the country. A spokesperson explained the decision follows strict U.S. rules, limiting high-tech chips from being exported to China. That's over concerns that the AI software they power would aid Beijing's military development. The company was touted as one of the U.K.'s highest potential startups in 2020. 
But by 2022, revenue had plunged. GraphCore later revealed it would have to raise funding to avoid shutdown. Black Friday shoppers beware, counterfeit products are on the loose and they're coming from China. Officials from the Customs and Border Protection and Homeland Security Investigations are warning of customer safety risks and major losses for U.S. businesses. At a Wednesday press conference, authorities displayed a recent seizure from New York. It included knockoff items like handbags, shoes, watches, and sunglasses, many branded with high-end logos, Louis Vuitton, Burberry, Chanel, Christian Dior, and Fendi. Other counterfeits include toys, bicycle helmets, makeup, iPhones, and even fake Oscar statues. The director of the CBP's New York office told NTD that between 70 and 80 percent of the goods come from China and Hong Kong, adding that U.S. authorities seize over 25 million of the fakes every year. Officials also point to the dangers of counterfeit products, like fake prescription medicines laced with unregulated, possibly lethal ingredients, or knockoff kits toys made with toxic substances or heavy metals. Besides personal harm, authorities say they divert revenue from legitimate businesses, cause job losses, and fund criminal organizations. An official with Homeland Security Investigations offered a golden rule for bargain shopping. If the deal seems too good to be true, it probably is. An update on Taiwan's presidential election. The founder of major Apple supplier Foxconn just dropped out of the race. His company says it's been targeted by Beijing ever since he launched his bid. What's happening behind the scenes? Let's take a look. Foxconn is the world's largest semiconductor manufacturer. The Taiwanese company is closely linked to both the U.S. and China, and both countries rely on its products. Most of Foxconn's factories are based in China, and the U.S. is now trying to lure the company to the States. Semiconductor manufacturing is among the main reasons why the U.S. views Taiwan as strategically significant and is working to deter a potential Chinese invasion. Just after Foxconn founder Terry Goh announced his decision to run for president of the island, Beijing opened a tax probe into his company. The move prompted widespread suspicion. Another presidential candidate from Taiwan urged China to clarify what its tax investigation is really about. An expert from Taiwan told us that he believes Beijing's probe ties into politics. China claims to be a world power. Regarding a matter such as this one, it should come out and explain itself. Are they specifically targeting Foxconn or are they generally investigating certain companies? The Chinese Communist Party wants Guo to withdraw from the election or they want him to accept their integration arrangement with mainland China. Go dropped out of the race on Friday. Taiwan's presidential election is set for January 13th. An Australian warship sailing through the Taiwan Strait on Thursday. The sensitive waterway separates Taiwan from mainland China. Both Taiwan and Australia confirmed the deployment. The action comes as China and Australia work to get diplomatic and trade ties back on track. Beijing sees Taiwan as part of its territory and has vowed to take control of it by force. Taiwan staunchly denies Chinese sovereignty and has never been ruled by the communist regime. Is China growing a cyber army? 
One German newspaper reports that Beijing is massively expanding its cyber attack capabilities. The paper cited a study from Merix, a German think tank focused on China. The study says China state-backed hackers received training at the National Cybersecurity Center in Wuhan. The goals of Chinese cyber attacks differ from Russia's short-term sabotage operations. According to the study, Chinese attacks in Europe are often long-term. The goal is to stay in the systems for as long as possible, access data, and prepare acts of sabotage. The approach makes such attacks harder to detect. One German report says 43% of businesses hacked in 2022 identified at least one attack from China, compared to 30% in 2021. New Zealand's new government sending a clear message to the Chinese Communist Party. Watch. New Zealand inked a deal to form a three-party coalition government on Friday. Prime Minister-elect Christopher Luxon with leaders from two other parties, David Seymour and Winston Peters. Peters will serve as foreign minister. When asked about China's growing influence, he compared the relationship between China and New Zealand to that between New Zealand and Niue, a small island country in South Pacific. He said size doesn't matter, respect does. That's all we ask for. After more than nine years, court hearings related to flight MH370 are set to begin in Beijing next Monday. They will involve the victim's family members, Malaysia Airlines, Boeing and other companies. Flight MH370 disappeared in 2014 while traveling from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. It carried 239 people on board. The plane's disappearance remains one of the most prominent aviation mysteries in history. Approximately two-thirds of the passengers were from China. In 2018, investigators released a report suggesting the plane's controls were intentionally manipulated to divert it from its course. They were unable to determine who was responsible. Family members of the victims continue to advocate for the resumption of the search, citing the discovery of debris. More than 30 suspected debris fragments have been collected from different locations worldwide. But only three wing fragments found along the Indian Ocean coast have been verified to belong to MH370. Ablaze in Myanmar Friday, a convoy of trucks there had been bringing goods from China into the country when the vehicles went up in flames. The incident comes amid rising concerns in China about border security. China's ambassador to Myanmar met with top officials there for talks about border stability. Myanmar's military has already lost control of several towns and military outposts in the country. It's now grappling with the biggest coordinated offensive since seizing power in 2021. Coming up, Chinese wealth manager Zhongzhi's $31 billion problem is shaking investor confidence. The shadow bank also holds investment in Chinese real estate giant Evergrande, the world's most indebted developer. Are the financial troubles signaling broader economic fallout for China? Anders Kaur, publisher of the Journal of Political Risk, joins us after the break for insight. More in just a minute here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's economy is bracing for another blow, and it traces back to Chinese wealth management firm Zhongzhi. The company has amassed a $31 billion problem. Is China's real estate crisis bleeding over into the financial sector? Joining us to discuss, we have Anders Kaur, publisher of the Journal of Political Risk. Anders Kaur, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Right now in the headlines, there's the wealth management or shadow banking sector, Zhongzhi, that's making a lot of headlines. It has about $31 billion in liabilities. How serious is this? It's a pretty serious issue because it's the first real indicator, I think, that uh, the property crisis is bleeding over into the financial sector. Um, the fact that this particular uh, trust was heavily, in, uh, heavily invested in in the property sector, and I think it's the bad property uh, loans that are turning it in, you know, turning it, uh, the bad, those bad loans are making it very difficult uh, for the company to pay back its, its own uh, investors. To your point, though, how do you see this bleeding over? Because right now this is a shadow bank. Is it going to actually hit the actual banks? I think so. The, uh, the government in China is pressuring the banking system to increase their loans to the property sector. The property sector, uh, real estate is about 30% of the Chinese economy. So the fact that the property sector is having trouble um, is itself a, is a uh, you know, indicator of broader economic malaise in China. Consumers are not, uh, you know, are, ve are very much down on the economy. They're not buying. They're, they used to account for 20% of the luxury market in China. Now uh, they're in the bargain basements. So the Chinese economy in general is having a ton of trouble. And uh, it all boils down to really lack of confidence in China. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not only consumers of the property sector. It's also actually international investors have stopped uh piling their, their investments and their profits in China, even the profits they make in China, uh, they've stopped piling those back into China. Um, there's a lot less foreign direct investment in China. To your point, we have seen millions in dollars, Western firms leaving China. How serious is the risk now to invest in China? I think it's very serious. I think uh, as long as you have a, a you know, a, 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 a party, a political party that's um, fundamentally philosophically opposed to capitalism, why would you ever invest in that country? You do have some examples like Apple, who've made a lot of money in China, um, but even they're moving out now um, because you have local upstars like Huawei who are trying to take uh, Apple market share within China and, and it's working. Um, and part of the deal with investing in China is forced technology transfer, where, whether you're the general aviation industry, electronics manufacturing, uh, the Chinese companies that you're doing business with that are manufacturing your products are going to try to get that technology by hook or by crook. And uh, once they get it, they're going to create a competitor business uh, and outcompete you because they'll have the support of the Chinese Communist Party behind them, and uh, you as a foreign forum weren't, won't. So I think it's very dangerous to invest in China. Um, and that I think is why most of the new investments are going to places like India and Vietnam. 
Expanding on this, this, this business professor, Frank Xiu, is also pointing out that the Chinese Communist Party isn't bailing out the consumers in this case, but rather the banks, as in furthering the problem. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, the Chinese Communist Party is putting pressure on the banks to uh, bail out the property sector, is really what's happening. So it's essentially a transfer of risk from the property sector um, to the banking sector. And the fundamental issue <laughs> is the Chinese Communist Party itself. You cannot have a healthy market economy when those who are in control are fundamentally opposed to the market economy. It's only going to be short-term investments Speaking of that, in the States, there was the 2008 financial crisis that shook the country. Now, how likely are we to see a similar devastating one in China? Uh, that's the concern. They're, they're worried about a Lehman moment uh, in, uh, in terms of the, the debt that uh, this current company can't pay, the $30 billion that it can't pay back. Uh, they're worried about that having sort of an avalanche effect. Now, um, you know, $30 billion sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but this trust company um, is part of a bigger trust industry that is around $3 trillion. That $3 trillion trust industry is a fraction of the total financial system in China, which is about $60 trillion. Um, you know, so if you believe those numbers, I'm not sure if I believe those numbers, but the 30 billion when you compare it to 60 trillion uh, is, is really a fraction. So I don't think you'll see a total unraveling of the economy. I think you, but I think you will see a long-term malaise uh, as people realize that the CCP has just mismanaged the situation. They want a country, a, a country and a, a political party that is supporting a political stability. And that's just not the Chinese Communist Party today. Anders Kaur, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.